This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Now, welcome to Golf Talk Canada. Gang is all here. Well, actually, Bob is going to be by momentarily. He's likely going to join us in segment two, which is cool because we got some stuff we got to take care of right off the top today. Adam Scully is the birthday boy. Adam, happy 30th birthday. A milestone birthday for Adam Scully. Thank you. Who, thank you. Thank you. Who celebrated in Nashville, Tennessee. Music Town, USA, I believe, is the, uh, the slogan. Music City. Uh, Music, Music City. City, thank you. Yes, yes. Got yes. it mixed up with Hockey Town, USA, Detroit. <laughs> My brain's getting rewired over here. Okay, so I've never been really to Nashville. Um, I'm going with Mrs. Golf Talk Canada and some of our best friends in September because we've been trying to see this Killers concert for like two years. It keeps getting squashed because of the vid. Right. So hopefully now the tour's back on and we're going to Nashville. So tell me about Nashville and your time uh, celebrating your 30th. Well, it was an amazing time and I, I apologize for the voice. It's a good thing our show wasn't on <laughs> Saturday morning because you wouldn't be able to hear me at all. Uh, it was an unbelievable time. Uh, we got to experience some great things in Nashville. Broadway, which is basically the, the main strip where, where everything is. We were at the world-famous Tootsie's Bar. Um, we were at the Nashville Predators game on Thursday. Now, we should point out that the Nashville Predators actually played an outdoor game on Saturday at the home of the, ten of the Tennessee Titans, but prices were a little high for that. So we, we elected not to go to that game, but we were at the game at Bridgestone Arena on Thursday. And I have to say, Mark, what an atmosphere. For, for those listening who are hockey fans, the atmosphere at a Preds game at Bridgestone Arena is bar none the best atmosphere I've ever been at at a hockey game, period. And it was a, a game in February that was 2-1. The, that the atmosphere was incredible. The fans were chanting. Everyone in, in Nashville, or Smashville as they call it, they love their hockey there. So that, that, was, that was a great experience. Top Golf as well. We were at Top Golf. I saw and, that on, I think, your uh, Instagram feed. Yeah, so Top Golf, which I think is coming to Canada at some point. Well, they signed a deal Soon. with Cineplex Odeon about five years ago, and then we heard nothing, and I believe that deal has is no longer. That, that deal, I believe, fizzled out, so we'll need to get an update on, on where that is. But to your point, Adam, I've got friends in Nashville that work on the, on the engineering side of our PGA Tour radio team, and they live in Nashville, and they tell me, that, I mean, the city has embraced hockey. Uh, they told me it is an unbelievable place to watch a hockey game. The Preds won't be in town playing when I'm there in September because mm -hmm. the Killers show is actually at the arena, the Bridgestone Arena. Oh, right. the, the thing. So that's where the show is. So the, the Preds are on, on and out of town. What we're hoping is we're going to keep an eye on that uh, NFL schedule mm -hmm. because when the NFL schedule is released, if the Titans are playing a home game on a Sunday – we're going to double dip. So just picture my old butt, Adam, after a killer show on a Saturday, trying to then drag myself to a tailgate on a Sunday. It could be a very ugly weekend for yours truly. Before we get to news and headlines and set up today's show, I got to hit my uh, stealth 
Yes. For the first time. My Stealth Plus, I squeezed out for one round of golf. You know, I'm working. This is my 26th day in a row of work <laughs> of what will be 41 days in a row. Actual okay. 41 days in a row of, of work. Uh, but I had a, uh, a Tuesday afternoon off last week. And, uh, you know, Mrs. Golf Talk Canada is with, with me on this great adventure. And, uh, and Marty got on a plane and, and flew down because it was his uh, university reading week. Right. So the three of us got out and played uh, ocean, the ocean course at Ocean Hammock, and, uh, which is a great golf course just down the Palm Coast here south of our uh, PGA Tour studios in St. Augustine, Florida. And, wow, I mean, I never took it out on a golf course before. I can't tell you if I'm hitting it any further the reason I can't tell you I'm, I, if I'm hitting any further is I had no I have no reference point. I mean, you know, I'm playing at sea level. Uh, I don't know these golf courses, yada yada, but I can tell you I hit it really well. Like I hit right. it where I was looking all day, and it had great flight, and it seemed to be in the air quite a long time for Florida. And preface that for Florida, as you know, sea level versus home. So I can't wait to get it out on a golf course where I'm more familiar. You know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be doing Golf Talk Canada. I'll be on location at Casa de Campo. Obviously, I know those golf courses like the back of my hand, so I'll have a real reference point. And tomorrow afternoon, I've got a few hours after we shoot Golf Talk Canada television, mm -hmm. and I am going to uh, get out with my, uh, my uh, G Quad. My, oh, okay. I got, my, yep. uh, I got my, my quad with me, my foresight, yep. a GC quad, and I'm going to get out on the range. I don't have time to play golf, but I'm going to get out on the range because I've got some shafts and see if I can get some numbers, uh, Florida numbers. So whatever Florida numbers I get, I get we're just going to add about 5%. That will yep. give me my Toronto number, and I'll report to you where we are. So, hey, Bob's got us just in time. Robert, how are you this morning? Excellent. Thank you. Very good to be with you. Sorry, a little delay there. I had a quick emergency when I don't, I, I, I had an interview scheduled with somebody else, but I forgot about how time zones work uh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> messed that one up. Well, so. <laughs> I'm a little we're running late anyway. It's we're okay. running late anyway. Don't you worry. Adam and I have been chatting birthday celebrations. We got to get to it because we have a crazy busy show. We're going to jump into Phil Mickelson today. We got winners weird and what we've got. Uh, just so much to get to. We'll talk bear trap and other great holes. So let's hit it now, though, and get to some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger. Everybody knows one. Uh, we're going to have Ryder Cup captain news when we get to winners weird and what on the European tour mm. side of things. But on the American side of things, Zach Johnson named Ryder Cup captain. I think that's a popular a choice for Zach, so he'll head the squad when we get to Rome in 2023. And Adam, they're going to keep the uh, selection process the same uh, as they did when they when they get to Whistling Straits. And after the success they had at Whistling Straits, maybe this is something they're just going to keep for good. Yeah, and it's certainly interesting. Obviously, it worked out very well, this qualification process, where it's six automatic qualifiers and six captain's picks, and obviously they went on to have a record-winning performance uh, back at Whistling Straits. And like we've talked about before, there's so many young players on this U.S. team that are going to be playing for years to come uh, on the Ryder Cup. So good for Zach Johnson. Uh, I'm curious to see how this process goes going forward. And I'm curious where you go in winners, weird and what, because are the Europeans going to try to do something similar here? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Well, we'll talk about it in winners, weird and what. And the reason I put in my winners, weird and what is I was thinking about this before the Zach Johnson announcement, and we'll get to that later. But, Bob, do you think this system that they're going to carry forward for another year could stick for the Team USA? I think so. It's uh, it, 
it ended up not being all that controversial when you when you look at it. I think it has the possibility, as any of these picks, no matter whether you have one or you have six, can be. But I think the way they've got things going right now with this uh, big winning team, um, I, I don't I don't think it's going to be really filled with surprises. Most of the picks anyway. So uh, it sounds like a lot of picks. Half the team are picks, but I think in most cases. Um, when you come home with a big victory like they did, everyone will love the, love the system. Uh, Bob, Golf Canada, uh, I caught your article, was that about a week ago now, maybe just under Golf Canada, going to make an investment into the program uh, at, the, at the top tier level, or the goal being the top tier level, to have as many as 30 players for LPGA and PGA Tour in the next decade. This is, uh, this is quite the, I guess, the statement from the top. It is, and uh, it's a little bit of the brainchild of Kevin Blue, who was the chief sport officer, came in about a year ago. He's, uh, he was an outstanding golfer and went down to the States and was uh, athletic director at University of California, Davis, and he sort of took that system of getting funding from people who are, in, in university cases, it's usually alumni, but in this case, he's gotten people who are big in Canadian golf, want to see bigger things and better things in Canadian golf, including Paul McLean, uh, who donated former uh, president of Golf Canada donated $5 million to this program. They've already got $13 million in the bank in terms of donations to run this program. So he's done a very good job at getting the funding for it. And uh, now we're going to see a little bit of um, a program to identify young, talented golfers between the ages of 10 and 14, as early as 10 and 14, and not necessarily bring them into the program, but give information to parents who want to know what they should do. My kid's a great golfer. How do I take the next step? What should I do? So, um, you know, it's a, it's a lofty goal, and we, we're, we're great on the men's side right now. We're, we have one great star on the women's side, and uh, we need a little bit more support on that side. So hopefully a lot of this money and, and this development will, uh, will prove uh, and bear fruit. Some cool news out of the golf course architecture world. And I, I'm a bit of a junkie when it comes to equipment as well as golf course architecture. You know, it's cool because I was one of those kids sketching on napkins. I did it as a kid, you know, and I would just, oh, I want to you know, build this hole, this or that. Justin Thomas, apparently, was the same kid. Going to collaborate with Jack Nicklaus on a, a course in southern Florida. So something Justin Thomas has always wanted to do. So he's going to enter that community at a young age. So... Uh, maybe there's going to be a lineage here between uh, the Nicholas design team and Justin Thomas. We'll have to keep our, our eye on that, maybe a, a handoff somewhere uh, down the road. But from a more Canadian spin, you know, we, you know Cabot, St. Lucia was a big announcement, you know, a, a year or so ago, and it's coming along. And then Cabot Redstone out in British Columbia. The most recent, Worldwoods, which was a great golf uh facility already just north of Tampa on the west coast of Florida. Uh, often those golf courses were both ranked in the top 100 in the country that, that you could play on the Golf Digest list from a, a public standpoint. Now Cabot Citrus, that was announced uh, several weeks ago, if not months ago. And uh, Bob, they've jumped in. They've got uh, Kyle France, who will revamp the Pine Barrens course. Kyle is from the Tom Doak uh, tree family tree, so to speak, so which is a perfect uh, marriage on a property like this with the exposed sand and that rustic look, which Doak is so familiar with. And Keith Reb and Riley Johns will manage the Rolling Oaks uh, program as well as they're going to have a short course, uh, practice area. I mean, anything under the name Cabot, first class all the way. 
Yeah, they're going to bring in, uh, it's more of a uh, refreshing, let's say, of the two existing yes. courses. I think that they had grown a little bit tired. Uh, they do need some work, and there will be, from what I'm told, some uh, fairly significant changes to the courses, but I think the courses, in, in essence, will exist as they are. There's that new short course that had so much success with the nest out at Cabot, and a couple of other facilities are doing it. Pebbles got it, and Bandon's got it. Um, we played out at the nest this summer when we were there, and you know you play at night, and they've got it all lit up, and it's great and a lot of fun. So those kind of things are great, and I I see this um, this Florida location for Cabot to be a real a real good winter spot for a lot of Canadian golfers who who want to get down there and uh, and get out of the snow. All right, and finally, quickly before we go to break, man, changes to Augusta National. Our media guide came out this week for this year's Masters, and I was caught off guard. Uh, Adam, the reason I was caught off guard, and I want to go to you guys quickly for both of this, they're going to lengthen the 11th hole, uh, which is an already difficult par 4, by 15 yards and clear out some trees on the right. They're going to lengthen 15 by 20 yards and reshape the angle of the fairway, some sculpting of the fairway, to what degree we do not know, but another 20 yards on 15. I think that's a good addition. And 13 yards on 18. I think that's an addition that's, eh, I don't think it was going to change much. The reason I was caught off guard is Adam 11 is already one of the hardest holes in major championship golf, and they just went back 15. That, that to me, seems like a bit of an unnecessary change. Out of those three, what one stood out for you? Yeah, definitely 11 as well, and we'll get into 11 a little, a little later when we talk about the top, you know, toughest three-hole stretches in golf. But you think of 11, you think of the trees on the right-hand side. I, I think back to Tiger Woods in 2019 in that final round. He had his tee shot so far right on 11, but somehow it was just his day, obviously. He had the, the clearest shoot to the green from there. So I'm curious to see what this new change looks like. But 15 yards longer on 11, that's massive. Bob, what were your first impressions when you, got, when you had read that? Yeah, when uh, you got a par four like 11, which is already a monster and usually plays as the first or second most difficult hole in the golf course, is now 15 yards longer than a par five on 13. Uh, now, I know 13 is probably going to get the next facelift. Uh, probably That's the one we've been Masters, waiting for, right, Bob? <laughs> exactly. I think that one's coming. But they, these guys do, they, these plan these things out years in advance. And if you've seen some of the overhead shots that have been leaking around on Twitter, you can see that the 11th hole is not only getting longer, the tee is moved back and to the left uh, for, the, for the golfers, and it's the, the fairway is going to get a little bit more slopey from uh, right to left as well. So it uh, makes it hard to get out to that right-hand side to make the shot to come in onto the green. Uh, and 15, I know this is, probably won't mean anything for a lot of people who haven't been there, but the 15th tee now has got to be like right behind the 10th green, and I mean right behind the 10th green. There's not a lot of room back there. So but I'm that's what to I was trying to see think. what it looks like. Yeah, I was like, okay, I understand everything else. I'm going, okay, so is it on the is it on the back fringe of ten? Like, where have they put this thing, right? So, guys, we're running super late. We gotta go. On the other side, a collapse of epic per, per, <laughs> proportion at the Honda Classic. What will this be remembered for? Sepp's first victory or Berger going backwards? That coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth Driver with a red carbon face for better energy transfer and more ball speed. Welcome to the Carbon Age. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by 
Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino Week Scully, a 30th birthday celebration edition of Golf Talk Canada for Adam Scully. All right, it was a, an interesting week at the Bear Trap, PGA National Honda Classic, the champion course, one of the, really the hardest tests on the PGA Tour year in, year out. I mean, since uh, the Honda Classic moved to uh, PGA National back in 2007, we've had winning scores between 6-under and 12-under on the annual. So for all of you out there that like to complain that the PGA Tour is too easy week in, week out, just watch the Honda Classic. Seb Straka, the only player in double digits, gets it done at 10 under par. It's a Sunday 66. We can't take that away from Seb Straka. But there's a huge story here. Daniel Berger had a five-shot lead heading into Sunday. If Daniel Berger shoots one over par, he's in a playoff. If he shoots even par, he wins this championship. It would have been his fifth PGA Tour victory. To me, that is just a, a, just a huge part of this. Before we jump into it, let's hear from the winner Sepp Straka on his first ever PGA Tour victory. I, I felt the pressure from the first hole when I missed that two-footer. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I felt the pressure the whole day, but um, Dav really did a great job of keeping me in, keeping me in it, just taking it shot by shot and uh, just trying to add him up at the end. He is a Georgia Bulldog. He is qualified for the Masters. He is an Austrian. Uh, and gets it done for the first time. But, guys, is this more a Daniel Berger loss than a Sepp Straka win? We always have the argument. Bob, you know, like 96 Masters, right? Now, Faldo still had to shoot 67 that day to catch Norman, right? Someone had to be there. But, I mean, Daniel Berger, five shots. He gave away four shots just in putting on Sunday. Uh, is this more Berger loss for you or a Straka win? Ah, I don't know what to what to make of it. You know, I mean, Berger did the only two birdies he made. He chipped in on both of them, right? One out of the bunker, one out of the off the green in the back there. So I, I think I think the wheels really came off for Berger. Not, take nothing away, as you said, from Straka, the uh, first guy who lives in Vienna and has a southern accent. Um, <laughs> to me, that. is I, I think he had a, does have a really good play. But I, again, like you pointed out, you know, even par round. Easier said than done on a tough course, but I think the I think the headworms just kind of got in there for Daniel Berger, and he kind of admitted afterwards that's a learning experience, and it's tough, especially at, at home in front of that's where he lives, right around that place. So it's uh, it's a tough one to uh, to swallow, I'm sure, for Berger. Adam, same to you. There's a difference between, you know, I said it on the broadcast uh, the other day. I was working with Dennis Paulson, was my analyst, and I said, Dennis, I said there is a fine line between hometown support and hometown pressure and i think we're seeing that transpire right in front of our eyes yeah hometown pressure especially with that big of a lead after 54 holes where some people were essentially gifting him this tournament already because he had he had the golf ball on a string and in, in some incredibly windy conditions that we saw at the honda classic that we haven't really seen so far during uh this this pga tour season but hey good first step straka Heading into the week, if you're a TSN Edge guy, 125 to 1 odds to win. Not bad for Seth Straka. 
All right, same question I want to go to both of you guys before we switch to the Canadian story because, you know, we didn't get a victory, but we had a lot of good, solid Canadian play and a lot of guys make the weekend on a very difficult golf course that should be encouraging for uh, uh, Team Canada. But uh, we'll stay with you, Adam, and, and same for you, Bob. Uh, uh, okay, Daniel Berger, been fighting an injury. But with the exception of the injury, I think since uh, golf came back after the COVID break, Daniel Berger's been one of the more consistent players on the PGA Tour. He's won. He's threatened to win. I mean, he looks like a different guy. How much scar tissue does he leave Honda? Like, do you think he is going to carry this for a while, Adam? Or is he just going to be able to put this in the rearview mirror and move forward? Because I'm not so sure it's that simple. I think we might see Daniel Berger maybe vanish for a few months before this comes back. I think this one's going to hurt a bit. Yeah, I, I think this one will hurt him as as well. Like I was mentioning, to to have that big of a lead in front of basically a, a home crowd, where you basically you, you thought it was yours, uh, left, right, and center, basically to to have it taken away from you, it's going to hurt him. But hey, I mean, this is a guy like you mentioned who's played very well since the COVID break. He was on the Ryder Cup team too. He's had a lot of success before. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets in the mix. Maybe not in his next start or his next two starts. But hey, the Masters is what five or six weeks away. You never know with Daniel Berger. Bob, does he uh, does he DJ this and forget it a second later, or are you going to hold this one and, and lug it around for some luggage for a while? Well, it's going to sting for a little bit, I'm sure. But if you, as you pointed out, his record over the last little while has been exceptional. He's had a lot of chances to win, not quite as glorious as this one, I'm sure, being that far in advance. But I think he'll come back from it. I think he's a seasoned enough professional. Uh, I think he's hungry enough. I think his game is good enough that he'll get back on the horse and uh, give it another ride. But he's, as Adam said, you know, he's a guy that you might want to think about if you're starting to look for, look ahead at major season because I think he's got a good enough game to try and get over the hump. This uh, this little um, bump in the road may have uh, may have hardened him up for something like that when you come down the stretch and you need to make a putt. Shane Lowry uh, had a chance to win this golf tournament as well, finishes one off the play, uh, pace. He had, a, he had a nice Sunday and, and called uh, the rain storm on 18, one of the worst breaks he's ever had in his career. That, that just kind of blew in at completely the wrong time. Uh, great week uh, for Team Canada, guys. Great's a stretch. Great collective effort. I, you know, we didn't get the victory, but Adam Svensson, Top 10, very much in this golf tournament the entire weekend. He had so much momentum mid-round on uh, Saturday and then again on Sunday and then stumbled and went backwards. He just could not negotiate uh, that early stretch on the back nine. So Svensson, 71-73, could have quite easily been 68-68 and be right near or at the top of this leaderboard. Nick Taylor uh, tied for 16th. We'll get into that in Winners Weird and What because Nick had a, a bit of revenge on uh, on the on uh, PG National. Taylor Penrith T25. We had Mackenzie Hughes make the cut. We had Roger Sloan make the cut. Only Michael Glickick, the only uh, Canadian flag on the outside looking in. Bob, that's uh, a nice showing for Team Canada. Isn't golf a strange game? Last week we had six players in the PGA Tour event at Riviera, and none of them made the cut. This week they all but one make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> and for Svensson, you know, it just goes to show you that he's a proud Canadian because, again, we all know how Canadians struggle with their putting, with Mike Weir being the main exception, I guess, in there. But poor uh, poor Adam, he was uh, f first in strokes gained tee to green and 73rd in strokes gained putting. He missed six putts inside five feet. And, uh, boy, that's those are the kind of ones that just sting you. I know he's been working really hard on his putting. 
and uh, he's got a he's got a new short game coach, relatively new short game coach. So maybe we'll see some good signs uh, ahead. Second second top ten of the year for Adam, though, so that's a good sign too. A very good sign, and in a nice FedEx Cup position at the moment. So uh, nice building blocks for Adam Svensson for sure. Okay, on the other side, guys, the fallout continues for Phil. I mean, they are dropping like flies right now. And we're going to take a deep dive into Phil. The latest news, the latest people to back away, as well as where will we see him next? Because that's a big question. This is a player's champion, a former player's champion. We are two weeks away from the player's championship. Does he have the gall? I don't know. We'll get into it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. All right, gentlemen. Fallout continues. Last week on Golf Talk Canada, Bob, Adam, and I were breaking down the just the Saudi Arabia Golf League. Greg Norman, Phil Mickelson, you know, the worst apology maybe in the history of professional sports by Phil Mickelson last week. He basically apologized to Saudi Arabia and pretended he was a champion to the players, of the players. I mean, it was the worst apology I think I've ever ever read from a professional athlete. There's a lot of head-scratching material here, guys. It's like there's stuff going on, obviously, with Phil that, that none of us really know about. And none of that, by the way, is an excuse for any of this. In fact, you know, a lot of my uh, social media backdrop pics on my, you know, my Instagram or my Twitter or whatever, and I just, it just kind of clued into me, by the way, because you guys know I've, I've always been a big Phil Mickelson fan. And I never change my profile pic or, you know, I just, I'm, you know, me, I barely, you know, in, I go on, I read it. I, once in a while, I'll tweet something out or whatever. I'm not super engaged. So, and I went, hold on a sec, Mark. Your backdrop pick is you and Phil Mickelson at the uh, mm. FedEx St. Jude Classic five years ago or six years ago. And I, I went in and I wiped them all. I cleaned them all and changed the picks. I just, and I thought to myself, just like, you know what? This, this is what other people are feeling. There's like a disassociation coming with Phil Mickelson. Last week, we talked about just generally... What will sponsors do? Bob brought up the point that when DJ played in Saudi Arabia, RBC asked for the shield to be taken off his sleeve. And he, he did not have the RBC shield on his sleeve at the, at the Saudi Arabia event. Okay, so here we are in the last seven days. Workday drops Phil. Amstel Light drops Phil. KPMG drops Phil. And Callaway pauses in quotation their lifetime membership. Bob, this is kind of last week what we hinted might happen to players that associate their, their themselves with this league. I think this is partly that, but also partly how bad Mickelson buried himself with 
terms like obnoxious greed and things of that nature. I think this is a double whammy, and he's really feeling it. Uh, I, I can't disagree with you. He's sort of uh, dug himself the biggest hole he can think of, and I don't know how you get the hell out of it, that one. It's really, um, I mean, it was really obnoxious to sort of sit there and call these people and say what they're doing, you know, all the the terms he called them, uh, isolating what they do to certain classes of people and then saying, but really, I, I just wanted to try and leverage that to uh, improve the PGA Tour. I mean, it's just... I, maybe he didn't realize that what he was saying was going to be repeated anywhere, but that doesn't give him any any uh, apology. There's no no way out of it for that. He said what he said, obviously, and um, maybe he just never thought we'd hear it. But it's uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how he comes back from this, if he comes back from this, and when he comes back from this. Bob, you, you touched on something there, and Adam, I want to come to you for, for your opinion on the same, but Bob, you touched on something there. Oh, by the way, I should mention I, miss, I missed one of the fallouts. He's also been removed as the host of the American Express Championship as well. That's another uh, thing he has lost this week. Bob, you touched on something because he suggested, you know, oh, I thought we were off the record. That doesn't excuse him for anything. But Bob, you've been doing this for years, and... If when you're talking to a writer in in about a golf right, when a golfer is talking to a golf writer, unless it is upfront agreed upon that this is off the record, the assumption is you're on the record. So for Phil to pretend like he didn't know he was on the record, I find that just one more pathetic crutch in this story. One of the things they teach you in journalism is there's no such thing as off the record. So if somebody yeah. doesn't want to talk to somebody about something like don't, if you don't want people to know, then don't tell me. You know, you know I'm a reporter. You know I have a notebook or a tape recorder or a TV camera or something there. Don't say something to me, even if I don't have those open right now, that you're not going to say, um, you know, to anybody else. So, yeah, I don't think that's that's an excuse for Phil at this point. And, and even if it... You know, I don't know. I'm not sure how you could, if it if it was supposed to be off the record, the term off the record. I I don't know why Phil would have said it anyway. That's the whole point. He's not exactly like, I'm sure he's not best buddies with with um, Alan Shipnuck. I know I know they you know I know they respect each other. I think, but still, it's just you just scratch your head as to why he would come out with all that stuff and why he initiated the phone call. Right? He called Alan to talk about this. So, just very unusual. I think, Adam, that Phil uh, thought his hand was better than it was. I think Phil thought there would be more names jumping ship with him. Phil's always been the smartest guy in the room as part of one of his flaws over the years. If you, if you believe what you read or you believe what some of the people closest to him have said. And I think he overplayed his hand. And was getting set for a a toe-to-toe battle with the PGA Tour. And now finds himself in a hole that I don't know he can come out of. Uh, Adam, just your overall take. And listen, golf has done a a very good job of not making villains over the years. But how do you get out of this one? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see going forward. And and to give more of a backstory too with... Alan Shipnuck writing this book about Phil coming out in May and Shipnuck reached out to Phil a couple of times uh, before any of any of this stuff was you know any of the Saudi related information was coming out 
and, and Phil declined each time to comment for the book. And then as Shipnuck was saying on a podcast, I believe it was last Thursday, Phil reached out to Shipnuck and said, hey, can we have a conversation about NFTs and everything going on? So Phil was the one, like you mentioned, Bob, who initially reached out to Alan Shipnuck about all this information. So why, why would Phil, like, it, it, does he think him and Alan Shipnuck are, are buddies and he's just not going to say anything? Because some of the language Phil used was unbelievably it was brutal to say, to say the least, and, and it was very off color. Um, but for Phil Mickelson, yeah, where does he go next? Even Zach Johnson was asked about um, if Phil would be considered for a vice captain's role in Italy. And he said, basically, given where we are right now, I have no idea. And you think Phil Mickelson, Ryder Cup, like Bob, you mentioned on SportsCenter last, uh, last week, Phil's had you know, such a synonymous role with the Ryder Cup, with the Masters. And the, the ironic thing about all this is he's the reigning PGA champion. This is, this is just a mind-boggling situation for a guy who had arguably the, one of the best victories in golf history last May and is now the villain of golf. It's quite a fall from grace. I mean... This guy was the people's champion. He was uh, the closest thing the game has seen uh, to Arnold Palmer. Uh, now, he wasn't Arnold Palmer. No one's going to suggest that. But he's the closest thing that the modern game has seen to Arnold Palmer in the sense that people love Phil. Uh, I mean, this, the, the swat, a swashbuckling American is a hard ask in the game as well because... You know, as you guys know, a lot of the American players, a lot of them seem, you know, at times, maybe not recently, because we've got the DeChambos of the world and the Kepkas of the world that have kind of changed the narrative. But prior to DeChambo and prior to Kepka, I mean, everybody coming out of America was a cookie cutter college. They swung the club the same way. They had a khaki pair of uh, golf pants and a button down shirt and off they went, i.e. Justin Leonard. Okay. Uh, to, so to have that kind of swashbuckling, go for broke, people's champion, Phil was beloved. And now it's, where do we go from here? Again, you touched on the Ryder Cup. We're going to have more of that in Winners Weird and What because it's affected Team Europe. And I was thinking about this already. Did, Jack, did Zach Johnson skip, skip the line? Or has the line been broken in captaincy lineage? on Ryder Cup, President's Cup, because we know they've gone to a system where there's a handoff system. That's been completely broken. So, all right, guys, we got to touch on this. Where does he go next? Like, Bob, does he show up? I don't think the Players' Championship. I, I got to believe he's not going to play the players. I'd be shocked if he showed up there. Tuesday night, Champions Dinner at Augusta. Does he go? Does he go to the Champions Dinner and does he play Augusta, Bob? Is that where we see him, or I mean, is this going to go silent now for several months? Yeah, I got to think uh, Augusta is going to be the first spot where we'll where we'll see him. Um, you know, champion Champions Dinner table for one for Mr. Mickelson. I don't know. Maybe you know who's going to want to sit with him. I'm not sure. It's uh, you know, listen, we, we've in the immediacy of a lot of things that have happened over the years with different players and, you know, Tiger, another exception. I think that that time sort of has a way of curing parts of all evils. I don't say all evils. This, this one though is, uh, is very different because you're taking on your own tour. It's not like a personal fall from grace as much as it's a coup attempt in a lot of ways. So I don't know, but I, I can't, I, I'd be shocked if he showed up at the players championship. I think the masters, is going to be the first place we see him. And I don't know what we'll do after that. That'll be the interesting part. 
as, as Adam said, he's the defending champion at the PGA, so could be interesting. Bob, one more follow-up to that before we go to Adam. You mentioned the, the Tiger connection in the sense that, you know, Tiger had a fall from grace, very different fall from grace. He didn't attack his fellow players, and he didn't attack his, uh, his tour. Uh, Tiger made some questionable life choices when it comes to being a married man, and he, ma- and he got addicted to some uh, pain medication uh, and, the- and made some weird decisions. But those things happen every day to every people around, uh, to anyone around the world. So it's a very different thing. But I think the big difference with Tiger is he apologized for real. And I think North Americans will almost, almost, with the exception of violent crime, will almost forgive anything if someone's really willing to make a genuine apology. We're still missing that right now from Phil Mickelson, no? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, I, th- I don't think he certainly hasn't apologized to the PGA Tour in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, he apologized to the Saudis, which um, is kind of mind-boggling <laughs> a little bit because it really wasn't... I don't think he really did anything wrong with them other than, well, he called them a few names, but... Um, well, yeah, I don't know. I still think, listen... Yeah, you know, I still, I think, I think, let's say, let's say hypothetically, the Saudi league falls apart, goes away. I think a year from now, Phil's probably back on the Champions Tour, maybe a little stained, maybe a little bloody, but I think he's still playing, and I still think there'll be all sorts of people, you know, cheering for him, and he'll give the thumbs up like he did, and that, you know, is is kind of little, yeah, smarmy little waved crowd. <laughs> but um, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is maybe this is sort of the the time when when he just kind of goes away. I think, I think what's really going to be determining the next steps for this will be what happens with this Saudi golf league, with the uh, super golf league. Mm-hmm. Same to you, Adam. Like, are we, I think one of the big problems here is we're actually missing an apology and is Augusta the spot we circle on the calendar. See the other thing about Augusta too, Adam, and that's part of the reason why Tiger chose to come back there too, is it's a little bit more contained and controlled environment in the sense that, you know, the masters can close things off. They don't let guys on the range. They keep the media out of the practice area. There's only certain spots you can talk to players. It's very controlled. It seems a no-brainer for Phil if he's going to come back. Yeah, totally. And, you know, the Masters, you know, the, the, the patrons are walking around. There, there won't be anyone screaming and yelling obscenities like at the Waste Management uh, Phoenix Open. And you mentioned Phil apologizing. And I, I think back... You know, this is obviously isn't the first time Phil and controversy have mixed together. You think back to the U.S. Open at Shinnecock where, where he had a moving ball. Was there an apology there? No. So for Phil Mickelson, this is just, it's very, I'm curious where he goes going forward. And when he does come back, is he going to have Callaway clubs in the bag still? I mean, it's Phil Mickelson. I'm sure he tests a bunch of stuff. Just purely from a golf perspective, are we going to see other brands in his golf bag? We'll have to wait and see. How about a blank bag, an empty hat, a logoless shirt, and you know, to your point, Adam. Like, there's who knows, who yeah. really knows. It's very sad at the same time as it's very interesting. We will follow it, and uh, it's going to be more news coming out, I'm sure, week by week, and uh, as we approach Augusta. And at some point, guys, at some point, there is going to be the chairman's press conference at Augusta National. And at some point, Augusta is going to have to say more than they've already said. I believe they've probably said some stuff already to the PGA Tour behind closed doors, also to Keith Pelly at the DP World Tour. I assume there's been communication. But I also believe were the golf media and public is going to 
start to hear more at some point that week. There's really going to be uh, no choice to avoid it. Okay, on the other side, we'll tee up hour two. Plus, uh, Brooke is back. Brooke's playing this week, LPGA Tour. So we'll uh, tee that up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino Scully Weeks as we wrap up hour one and preview hour two. In hour two, we're going to do winner's word of what. We're going to jump into the discussion of uh, three difficult holes in terms of the world of golf because we just saw... Uh, this week, the bear trap take its pound of flesh. And um, what are other th- holes that, uh, or stretches of holes, I should say, that really um, bite back at the player? Green Mile, Amen Corner, etc. We'll uh, we'll get the opinion here of what stands up to the bear trap or stacks up to the bear trap. Uh, we'll also uh, take a look at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Bryson's back. So uh, I'm headed down to Orlando after Golf Talk Canada to get set for that. So we're looking forward to getting back to Bay Hill. Uh, LPGA news. I've been drowning in PGA Tour land. Uh, and as I've been drowning in PGA Tour land, Bob, I miss some LPGA news. First off, uh, Brooks in the field this week at the HSBC Women's World Championship in Singapore, which is great. She's playing again. I can't even remember the last time. Uh, Brooke played. Maybe you can uh, remind me and our audience of that. But also, uh, Robert Trent Jones Golf Club was awarded the Solheim Cup, which is really cool because RTJ uh, was the home of the first run of President's Cups in the 90s, which uh, I had actually the opportunity to uh, play that golf course for the first time uh, this summer uh, when I went down to see uh, my best friend who lives in D.C. to play in the Congressional Member Guest. We tagged a day on at uh, Robert Trent Jones. That is a special place, Bob. Were you there covering those President's Cups? I did. I went a few times down there and um, watched the U.S. team dominate, as usual. <laughs> there was a couple of good celebrations. I think it was actually, I think the one year they might have tied at uh, RTJ. But uh, I do remember. It's a nice golf course. It's a good facility. Um, lovely place. I think it'll be a great course for the women to play uh on as as for the solheim cup and um what was the rest of your question (laughs) (laughs) i know brooke i don't remember the last time brooke Brooke played oh brooke yeah the lpj has been off for basically a month right now sorry they uh they haven't been haven't been playing i saw i noticed on brooke's instagram she's been home up in smith's falls uh probably enjoying the cold 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 weather and uh this is don't forget the last two years she hasn't gone well two years ago they didn't have the tournaments over in Asia this last year she elected not to go to the ones that they did have so this is a foray back for her across the uh, the Pacific and she's done well at this tournament she's got four finishes inside the top 15 including a runner-up finish here in 2018 so this is a good place for her to kind of kickstart her her re-kickstart I guess the season and uh, she's she's come out of the gates fast in the tournaments she did play early on so um, we'll we'll see what she can do here it's uh, she's got a few more tournaments left before she has to change that driver 
I believe it's the 21st of March they're going to the LPGA Tour is going to put that rule into place where she can't use the long driver even though she just chokes up on it so we'll see how that affects her she said this was quite a while ago but in practice uh, she was having a lot of trouble with that she you know as everyone most people may not know but she actually has a 46 inch driver but she grips down on it like a normal kind of length driver where she holds it it's just something she's done since she was a kid uh, but she's going to have to make an alteration because the length of the drivers have uh, have, sh have changed over the years or changed starting this year. I had the opportunity to uh, work a little this week and meet for the first time, actually the last two weeks, Christina Kim, uh, speaking of LPJ. What, right. what a cool personality. Uh, what a, uh, You talk about positive energy full time. Awesome, uh, just an awesome woman. Uh, I'm glad the LPJ is back. That's great. We'll have to keep an eye on Brooke. So good luck to her. Um, we were back to TV last week, our tailor-made product special, which uh, Adam put together and hosted. We're back to our regular scheduled Golf Talk Canada season this Wednesday. So TSN is back. Uh, Golf Talk Canada is back on TSN TV, 20 Weeks of TaylorMade. We're going to have announcements coming up. We're going to launch 20 Weeks of TaylorMade uh, around Masters time. As always, it will take us right to uh, the FedEx Cup. So keep your eye open uh, for those announcements. Hour two, winners, winner what? Uh, bear trap arnold palmer so much to get to we'll do it coming up on the other side uh kicking it off with uh, what are three tougher holes than the bear trap on the pj tour i don't know if there is one we'll get into it this is golf talk canada this segment of gtc presented by taylor made was brought to you by play golf myrtle beach no destination in the world can match myrtle beach's volume of golf quality and value Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. All right, Hour 2 of GTC. And I promise... There's only going to be a, li a little bit of Saudi golf league talk. Promise. I'm not going to be. <laughs> All right, guys. That bear trap was fun this week. You know what I noticed on the bear trap this week is, well, you know, this is ridiculous, but it, it affects everything. But, I mean, the wind direction on the bear trap changes everything. Uh, it played hard. Uh, it always plays hard. But it didn't play as brutal this year because the wind – at Palm Beach Gardens was on the bear trap on especially on 15 and 17 didn't affect 16 as much but on 15 and 17 it was into the players off the right so golf balls heading right or bleeding right that were borderline were being swatted back into the green complex whereas in previous years years where we've seen carnage those anomaly years where you see ball totals in the water that are off the charts high, the wind's going the other way. Because anything not struck properly, 
anything leaking right, anything struggling to work its way back into the green, instead of the wind helping it that way, the wind is swatting it down into the water. And that was a huge difference with the bear trap uh, this week that, than, than some of those other previous years. That being said, that is still a, a really hard stretch of golf. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but this week holes five, six, and seven, which some of the players call the cub behind the scenes. It actually had a harder uh, stroke average to par than 15, 16, and 17. Five, six, and seven. Absolute beast. Number six was the hardest hole on the golf course all week. Uh, that being said, Adam, you know, you wanted to, uh, this was like, hey, let's talk about this. So my gut tells me that you've got probably a few stretches in mind that you think might be better or harder than the bear trap here at PGA National. Yeah, there's, there's some that came to mind right away. Uh, you know, we spoke about Amen Corner uh, off the top of the show. That'll get even harder now with the changes to 11. And who knows whenever changes are made to 13 at Augusta National, how that will affect that hole. But for me, I, I always think to Carnoustie and the closing stretch at Carnoustie, 16, 17, 18. Now, the last time the Open Championship was held at Carnoustie, of course, Fran uh, Francesco Molinari won that. And the wind direction was totally different than when it was when Jean Vandeveld had his epic collapse. And Carnoustie was playing very differently, of course, in 2018. It was very firm. Guys were hitting drivers on that hole. You know, Dustin Johnson, I believe in a practice round, hit one into the Barry Burn, which is some 415 yards away because of how firm and fast that was playing. So that was playing a little differently. Uh, and then, you know, you think of even, you know, TBC Sawgrass, which we'll be seeing uh, next week, where, you know, 16, maybe not the hardest hole in the world, but 17, 18, in terms of int intimidation factor with the water alone, that's pretty tough. I mean, Justin Thomas got away with toe hooking a three wood last year on 18 to win the players championship with water all the way left. And he got away with hitting a big sweeping uh, three wood and went on to win, but he got away with one right there. So I think those are a couple of examples of some of the toughest three hole stretches in golf. Well, for me, you hit the nail at Carnoustie because the prevailing wind there is into the players on the last five holes with the exception of 17. And we got the opposite the last time we were there. If you get that win into the players at Carnoustie, the last five holes to me with the downwind on 17 uh, is the hardest stretch of five holes, hands down in all of championship golf. It is absolutely brutal, Adam, to your point. And touching on Sawgrass, I'm not going to say the hardest because not the hardest. 18 is a beast at Sawgrass. But 16 and 17 are designed for spectators and volatility. To me, that's the best finish in championship golf. Not the hardest, but the best because it's a TV spectacle. The Players' Championship is for the players and they're for, it's for the fans. It's not the U.S. Open. It's not designed to have, you know, one over par win the golf championship. It's designed for drama, uh, a spectacle, theater, etc. And I don't think there's a better three holes on a better golf course to design to give that. And that's why I always say it to Bob all the time how I think we're going to miss Glen Abbey in the Canadian Open rotation, right? Because, you know, Glen Abbey is not the best golf course we have in Canada. You know, St. George is a wonderful golf course. Hamilton's a wonderful golf course. Shaughnessy, Royal Montreal, obviously Cabot, not in the rota for Canadian Open, but I mean the National, not in the Open for 
not in the Rota for Canadian Open. But, I mean, we have a wonderful group of golf courses. But I always thought, and I think Bob agrees with me because Bob and I have always had this conversation, that Glen Abbey was so underrated for the quality, for the fan of golf that loves to go out and watch it live as a TV product, on all the volatility that you could have coming down the stretch at Glen Abbey at 16 and 18 and in the valley and... Uh, I just, it, it will be missed. It, it will definitely be missed. Um, Bob, from a hard stretch for you, you know, there's the Green Mile in Quail Hollow. There's the Snake Pit in Innisbrook, which we're going to go to in a few weeks on the other side of the Players' Championship. I mean, in your mind, Bob, if you're just going to isolate the three most difficult, not the best, because if we're talking best, I mean, you're in Amen Corner now, right? 11, 12, 13. You're in the 16, 17, 18 of the players. But just hardest. What's the hardest three for you, in your opinion, where you're like, hey, if I was playing this game for a living and I needed three pars to win this golf tournament, I don't want to play those holes. You know, uh, <laughs> any three-hole stretch on, um, on Oakmont might be pretty tough but i would say i would say from from what i can remember of the us open at uh, bethpage black the couple times we've been there the pga the 10 11 12 that stretch there there's three par fours that are all just absolutely brutal and i can remember them playing over par for the week sort of almost at two shots each so it was ridiculous how how difficult there and, and and i don't think that we've seen stretches of holes like that when we're talking about difficult setups or difficult stretches where it's three par fours. It's usually a three, a four, you know, in certain cases, two threes and a four or a five. So that for me stood out not only for how difficult it played, um, but for the unusualness of it when you're talking about these three links. But just to go quickly back to your Glen Abbey story, uh, Tiger Woods, the year he won, you know what he did on Friday over that final four holes, actually, birdie, eagle, birdie eagle to make the cut by two and then went on to win and to your point bob and and to your other point the only other stretch that comes to to mind that you've described at beth page just off the top of my head because obviously a lot of these combos the reason i love the players so much is because of the combo but it's not the hardest i love the combo because of the volatility give you a gettable par five at 16 where we could see a three or a seven so possible four stroke switch then an island green where you can make a two, a three, or a five, or a six, or a seven. And then what maybe the hardest closing par four on the PGA Tour, that fairway at 18 is, is just such a hard ask with, with the water feature up the left and that long, narrow green that, that feeds towards the penalty area. But to Bob's point, uh, not so much in February for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but for every 10 years, when we go to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, the Cliffs of Doom, Eight, nine, and ten, three par fours in a row. To Bob's point, it, it's you don't get that off in those three. And, and when we're talking about making par, making par, which you know is easy to do quite often on par fives, because if you miss a shot, you get one back to the fairway, you knock it on the green of three, you two putt, or maybe on a par three, you knock it in a greenside bunker and you get up and down. Tough par fours, brutally hard par fours, are the toughest pars in golf. That is the hardest par for a golf professional, brutally hard par fours. And Cliffs of Doom are the only three that come to mind. Okay, but, but okay, what are your favorites, though, guys? Because, we, you know, and none of us mentioned the bear trap, which is funny because we've kind of just come through the bear trap. But what, what are your favorites, Adam? Because my favorite, 
Uh, obviously, Amen Corner is, is is kind of a no-brainer, but my favorite is 16, 17, and 18 at, at, at uh, the stadium course from a fan perspective. I'm talking from a fan perspective. What are What is your favorite to watch when you know a tournament is coming to an end? Uh, and you know what? I almost wish Amen Corner was 16, 17, yeah. and 18. You know what I mean? I real I not not that you can't get changes at, at Augusta at seventeen and eighteen, but if Amen Corner was sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen, I, I think there'd be no discussion at all. Uh, where are you at on this? Well, imagine if the Masters changed their playoff format to a three-hole aggregate on Amen Corner. How wild that would be! Now, I, I obviously everything would have to change. The TV times, darkness comes into play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for me, I, you know, I, I go back to Carnoustie, honestly, and and watching the carnage that goes on there, watching where, especially how it played in 2018, that 17th hole was playing dead into the wind where guys were basically hitting three wood and two iron in, into that par four. Um, and then the 18th hole is the 18th hole where anything can happen. You remember, you know, Tiger Woods in 2018 where a fan yelled in his backswing and he won miles right. Frankie Molinari went on to birdie that hole to win. But getting back to your point, Bob, about Beth Page. You guys remember in 2019 at the PGA Championship, which was two months after Tiger's victory at the Masters, uh, playing split tees for Thursday, Friday, half the field had to tee off each day from that 10th hole. And you're starting a stretch where it's the hardest stretch of the golf course. Tiger Woods made double bogey on that hole. Brooks Kepka makes birdie. Francesco Molinari lost his tee shot uh, playing in, in, in that opening threesome. So th- that Beth Page stretch, uh, in terms of most difficult, is certainly, I would say, top three for sure, but it's, it's hard not, not to love Carnoustie for, for the possibility of carnage whenever anyone goes through that stretch. What's your favorite, Bob? And, and are you as uh, sadistic as Adam? You want to see a NASCAR <laughs> pileup? Or... Well, let's not forget that in the old days uh, of the uh, sudden death playoff at Augusta National, they actually ended up going down. You remember Larry Mize chipping in on the 11th hole to win, so they have, they Scott have gone. Scott and Nick Faldo? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So there's a few 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 instances where those uh, so when the the green jacket has been decided over those those few holes. But um, I th- I think I think Sawgrass is for me the most entertaining of them all. Put it that way. I think the 16th hole is uh, is not an easy par five, but it is one where you can hit two good shots and have a really good chance at eagle. Uh, you just got to watch out for that water on the right. And then we know about 17 and and 18, as you said, Mark is. Um, probably the most underrated hole on that golf course. So there, there are stretches, there are stretches everywhere where people have, have difficulty. But I think the one that's the most entertaining is certainly, I would say, certainly Amen Corner, and then, uh, but, but probably at the top of the list would be Sawgrass. Okay, quickly before we go to both you guys, before we go to break, on the other side, we're gonna we're gonna preview uh, Bay Hill Arnold Palmer Invitational, and also just take a look at the, at the remainder of the Florida swing which technically ends now in Austin, Texas, at the end of March <laughs> at Austin Country Club for the match play uh, before we uh, head to, uh, to Augusta. Okay, guys, question for you both. Harder par on Sunday to win a golf tournament? 12 at Augusta, Bob, or 17 at Sawgrass? Harder par to win a tournament? Oh, boy. Oof. Uh, I think 17 at Sawgrass. 12 is... Uh... 12 is a very difficult golf hole, and neither one of them are very long. I'm trying to rack my brains here to see which one I'd want to play, but I think, I think there's a, a bigger 
a bigger downside if you miss the green at, at 12 uh, or at uh, 17 than there is at 12. Adam, harder par on Sunday when you're trying to win. 12 at Augusta, 17 at Sawgrass. I'll go, I'll go 12 at Augusta if they have that traditional right pin where we've seen We're going to play so traditional much. right pins to both holes. Okay, okay. I'll go 12 at Augusta. 12 at Augusta. I don't know. I am so torn on this because I'm thinking on 12, at least I can knock it in a bunker to Bob's point and give myself a chance. But that, but then again, standing at 12 and looking at the green, you don't see a putting surface. Like it's just a clock. It's like a whole location floating between bunkers with a creek in front of it. Right. And the worst part about 12 too is you look at the flag on 11 and it's at it's in your face, and then you look at the flag on twelve, and it's blown in the opposite <laughs> direction. So I don't know. I don't know if there's a good answer. Here's the best answer. Maybe we'll be able to answer this question, guys, in a month. Let's follow back up with this come April, middle April, because we're going to get to watch the players in two weeks, and then we're going to watch the uh, the Masters two weeks after that, three weeks after that, and then we'll decide after watching those two tournaments come to a conclusion. We'll revisit this. Okay, on the other side, guys, it's uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational, Bay Hill Club and Lodge. We'll take a look at the field, what to expect from Bryson at Bay Hill. And we'll also take a peek at the remainder of the Florida Swing, because Florida Swing, interesting. Who would have thought 30 years ago that the Players' Championship, the stadium course at Sawgrass, would be referred to as the friendly layout? in the Florida swing, and that's what it's become. That's what technology has done to the game. I mean, players who used to go around Sawgrass with persimmon and balada, just the way they used to go around PGA West in the desert uh, at the American Express with persimmon and balada, called it unfair, unforgiving, didn't want to play it. Now, 20 under can win the Players' Championship, and you see sometimes single digits, like this week, one player in double digits, Sepp Straka winning the Honda Classic. You expect more of the same throughout the Florida swing. We'll jump into it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. And welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Okay, we're one deep in the Florida swing. As Seb Straka wins the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Excuse me, wins the Honda Classic jumping ahead of myself because we're headed to Orlando now for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Bay Hill Club and Lodge. Guys, this field is absolutely stacked. We should mention as well, it's a double dip on the PGA Tour this week as the Puerto Rico Open is also taking place this week. Heightened FedEx Cup points for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, 550. So a premier event, Genesis, Arnold Palmer, Murfield, uh, obviously, players' championship majors, heightened FedEx Cup points. This is one of them. Bryson is back. Uh, defending champion. Injury issues. 
Uh, came out last week, pledged his allegiance to the PGA Tour after Dustin Johnson did the same. John Rahm in the field, Rory McIlroy in the field, Hideki Matsuyama, Scotty Scheffler, uh, Zala Torres, arguably the best pay- player on the PGA Tour right now without a victory. Uh, we're going to do our TSN edge hit, guys. Uh, now back to our regular TV time, so it'll be in our TV uh show on Wednesday, as well as uh, out on our social media channels, including TSN Edge. Bob, who's the favorite this week? This is stacked. And, and in your mind, who's the favorite? And what do you expect from Bryson other than the unexpected? Uh, that's tough <laughs> Tough to sort of sit there and look at at the second question first in, in terms of Bryson, because we don't really know where that injury is. We don't really know. I mean, we know He's got it in two places. He said, was it a hip and a hand or a back and a hand? And, and I think the, um, the extent of how serious those are, you know, we were sort of maybe thinking, well, maybe this is just kind of him taking a break while the Saudi stuff kind of sorts itself out and he sorted himself out or what's going on. I don't know. It's a, um, I don't know what to make of Bryson, but I'd be very surprised if he's going to try and rip one across the water again this time and take a big swat. That'll be interesting to see. We'll know if he's healthy when he steps up to as a six hole. And just tries to uh, hammer it across the water there. Um, as for the first one, boy, you know, look, I'm the guy with zero wins on the uh, on our edge <laughs> pole so far. I've had a lot of good close finishes, but I just can't seem yes, to get one have. over the over the top. But uh, there's a, there's a lot of guys in there that that have good track records at this tournament. One of them being, don't forget, Corey Connors, who finished third in this event last year. So. Um, I don't know. It's uh, you'll have to you have to wait till uh, till we tape our edge hits to find out who I'm actually going to pick here. I'm not giving my Bob. Do we my, know? Do we know my, how many uh, Canadians are in the field in Puerto Rico this week? There's f- in Puerto Rico. Yeah, there's three in Puerto Rico. Uh, Michael Gligic, David Hearn, and making a rare appearance, uh, uh, Austin Connolly, who got a sponsor exemption. And I have not seen. I couldn't find anywhere where he's played in the last two years. So. Uh, European tour, any tour. So I don't know what his story is, but nice to see him back. And we've got four at Bay Hill with uh, Corey Connors, Taylor Pendrith, Adam Svensson, and Nick Taylor. Uh, real shame uh, with um, Austin Connolly because he had some real momentum uh, back on the Euro- European tour pre-COVID uh, a couple of years ago and was really tra- trending in the right direction. Uh, qualified for the Open Championship. There was a lot of good things going on, so we'll have to keep an eye on his performance this week in Puerto Rico. Adam, what do you expect from Bryson? And Skulls, do you think that maybe he might take it down a gear, you know, in the way he approaches the game? Because injuries, you know, maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is his body telling him, hold on a second here. We got This is a marathon. It isn't a sprint. What are you doing? Do you think uh, maybe a different approach? I'm, I'm really curious to see which Bryson shows up this week. Like you mentioned, your body can only take so much. You remember at the start of this whole uh, rebuild, if you will, he was having seven protein shakes a day, and he showed to Augusta National, and he said, oh, something's wrong with my stomach. Of course there's something wrong with your stomach. You're having seven <laughs> protein shakes a day. And then he sort of dialed it back down a little bit. Then he goes to the World Long Drive Championship and has, a, has an unbelievable showing for a professional golfer. That's, that's a remarkable achievement in, its, in itself. And then he goes to Torrey Pines, and you know, he's, he's wincing at his back. He's, he's, like, he's stretching his hand a bunch. So you wonder what the, what the injuries actually are. 
obviously nothing was torn because this was a month ago. And if, if you tore something in your thumb or your hip, you're out months at a time. So I, I don't know if Bryson can dial it down a notch, given that, you know, he uses a, what, four-degree driver and he's trying to carry his four-iron 260 yards. Um, but it, it's he's still golf's most fascinating character to me. For, for a guy who started with a one-plane golf swing and then and completely transforms his body to become the incredible bulk, it's... It's been mind-boggling to see what he has done. But uh, Bryson, this week, like you mentioned, Bob, I don't think we'll see him try to carry it 370 yards over the water hazard. But what are you expecting from, Bob, uh, from Bryson this week, Bob? Well, the one thing I do know is that he's not on the list to, to come into the, uh, PG, into the media room for a press conference, which is surprising. As the defending champion, you almost always have that person in there. Uh, he's, as we know, kind of a, I wouldn't say combative, but he's got a hot and cold running um, uh, you know, deal with the PG, with the media, and I think that uh, in light of what he said last week, coming out and announcing that he's pledging his allegiance to the PGA Tour, I guess he just does not want to get into that situation where he's going to get asked all those questions. And again, maybe that's his way of saying, "Look, I got to focus on golf rather than off the golf course." But I think it's going to be interesting to see if he's leading after the first round. You can't really shy away from the microphones then. But that's an unusual. I can't remember the last time I've, uh, a defending champion didn't go in for a uh, press conference. Interesting stuff from Bryson. You can never call him boring, that is for sure. Uh, we will go from Bay Hill to the Players' Championship, then to the Valspar over at Innisbrook, where you think you've landed in North Carolina somehow. And then from there, we'll go to Austin Country Club for the match play. That takes us to the end of March on the PGA Tour. But all eyes on Bay Hill this week. We're running out of time, guys. We've got to go to break because Winter Weird and What is coming up next. I got a text, by the way, gentlemen, from uh, Lawrence Applebaum while we've oh. been on the air this morning. Uh, L.A. wanted uh, you guys to know he's got inside information that he wanted us to break right here on Golf Talk Canada. Apparently, Phil Mickelson... Not upset at the Callaway relationship pausing. Not upset about not being the host of the American Express, losing Workday, uh, losing Amstel Light, and losing KPMG. Apparently up all night after I removed him from my Twitter uh, profile pic. So that, that is breaking news right here. And Amy is just beside herself, absolutely beside herself. And I'm sorry to Amy. Amy, nothing personal. I didn't mean to uh, upset you in any way. This is between your husband and myself. Okay, on the other side, winner's weird and what? This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Completely hot off the press here, breaking news. As we are breaking down the Arnold Palmer Invitational, we were teeing it up in the previous segment. Like, literally, as we were doing it and going to break, moments ago, defending champion Bryson DeChambeau has withdrawn from the Arnold Palmer Invitational. So, 
A WD for Bryson as a defending champion. Uh, Adam, before we do winners, winner, what, you have heard the audio. Bob and I have yet to hear the audio. Give us a summary of what he said. Basically talking about that he didn't want to risk further injury, that he's still rehabbing. Uh, so clearly Bryson DeChambeau, not 100% just yet. We'll be playing this full video. It's about a minute long on Golf Talk Canada television this week, and we'll have all the analysis from Bryson withdrawing, and we'll be talking about when will we be seeing Bryson next. Who knows? Maybe Players' Championship. Will he show up at the Masters? I guess we'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. Uh, curious. There was a lot of curiosity already to Bob's point. Bob's suggesting you can't remember the last time that a defending champion was not speaking to the media uh, before they were defending their title. So, what you know, is this all injury? Question mark. Is there? Hey, I'm not ready to talk uh, about this stuff yet. Who knows? We'll run the audio. We'll run the video this week on Golf Talk Canada Television. Okay, guys, time for Winners Weird and What, and this week the tea is mine. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, boys, my uh, winner this week, Nick Taylor. I love the bounce back by Taylor at the Honda Classic. He went out and he shot 77 on Thursday, including two double bogeys, one of which that happened at the par uh, 317th, right at the end of the bear trap, completely headed in the wrong direction, but he bounces back with a 65 on uh, on Friday, makes the cut, highlighted by an eagle at the par 413th. He dunks it from the fairway, gets his revenge, makes the cut, and has a good weekend. Bob, Nick's been playing quietly some good golf lately. He has, and it's just that what we saw this last week, I think, was kind of an indication. He plays, first of all, he plays well on difficult golf courses. And second, he seems to have one round where he's just, it's not quite as bad as this one was with the 77, but he has one round where he just kind of gives a few shots back. And, and he was talking about that. He said, if I can improve by two shots or a shot here and there, uh, he'll go really well and, you know, turn those 40s and 30th place finishes into uh, 30th and 20th place finishes, which makes a big difference at the end of the year. Uh, last week, guys, we talked about the clubhouse uh, losing an historic building and, and potentially some artifacts within it uh, out at Oakland Hills uh, Golf Club uh, just outside of Detroit. Weird news this week, and I, I'm not too sure on how to interpret this, but all I know is there is an investigation going on because propane tanks and a heater and some other mysterious or abnormal pieces of equipment were found in the basement of the golf club. So I don't know, Adam, if they're suggesting that this might be arson or or investigation just means they're looking into this further. But it certainly caught my eye and certainly, uh, you know, put some question marks on what we saw last week. Did, did you see that? Yeah, cer certainly some uh, very... Uh, puzzling stuff to come out and I mean those images of Oakland Hills were quite simply pet petrifying to see given too that they had just redone their clubhouse just a couple of years ago I believe so uh, scary stuff coming out of Oakland Hills but I guess we'll see what, what's that, what happens here going forward all right we talked about it early in the show Zach Johnson Ryder Cup captain and I and, and I, last week I didn't bring it up but I was thinking about it has the lineage of the President's Cup and Ryder Cup for the American side has it been broken 
Like, was there a, a, a baton being handed off? And somewhere in that line, whether it was Rome or elsewhere, was Phil Mickelson in line to be the captain of the Ryder Cup? You know, my gut is somewhere he was penciled in. And has that been broken now because of what has happened and transpired with Phil Mickelson? Well, my what this week is, what about the European Ryder Cup team? This is the same thing. They want to make a captain announcement in the next few weeks. And and this thing is kind of on hold right now because Stenson might be in line. Westwood has already pulled himself out of the line. He was in the line. He pulled himself out of the line. But there are other European Ryder Cup names potentially involved. Bob, they're saying, we don't want to do this because if we make an announcement and then the Saudi LIV comes in with an announcement and that name's on that list, they got some issues. This is, uh, this, I found this whole thing interesting and in a way they're holding up the Ryder Cup announcement hostage. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's some guys in there that they want to consider. I think Luke Donald might be the guy at the top of the list or certainly one a Henrik Stenson is one, um, you know, but you look at all those guys, they're prime suspects for the Super Golf League because they're sort of the pre-champions tour players, as Rory called them. Guys who could make a lot more money doing that than they would if they were playing in the DP World Tour or the PGA Tour. But you're right, that group of guys from which to select from, um, four or five of them maybe on the outside, and you don't know where they're going to be, where their allegiance is. And they're certainly not going to pick them to the Ryder Cup if they are on the... Uh, on the opposite team. Which is why I have inside information to share with you guys. Jean Vandeveld will be named the next captain. Just joking. Just joking. All right, boys. That does it for me. All right, Bob. The tea is yours, sir. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. All right, well, my winner this week is a guy that we all have come to love over the years. And a guy who's actually been... Uh, we love him for another reason now. It's because he's come really wide open with a lot of his issues and that's Andrew Beef Johnson who came on the scene about two or three years ago was so much fun uh, enjoyed himself played some really really good golf but since that time has struggled a little bit and he came out and admitted that uh, he had some problems with depression that he has dealt with and uh, he's left kind of left took some time away from the tour here and there a couple months here a couple months there and now he's uh, lately he's uh, picked up a, an injury unfortunately then he had to take some time off but during the, the, um, the little sojourn he's had at home, the other thing he's done is he's worked out like a crazy man, and he's, he's lean beef, I guess you'd have to call him now. He's lost a lot of weight. He doesn't say exactly how much, but there's a picture on Instagram of him working out. It looks like his garage or something, and he's, uh, boy, it's, it's, it's a lot of weight, uh, although he did admit to having chowed down on a pizza um, just a couple of, <laughs> of weeks ago, he said, I love the honesty of beef. And uh, Adam, maybe I'll put it to you because you're the big workout guy in, amongst the three of us right here. Um, how much do you think that could help a guy like Beef's game? I mean, in most cases, it should help their game. You remember Carl Peterson all those years ago when he lost 
all the weight and it totally messed up his golf game. He went back to having beer and donuts and ice cream to try to put the weight back on. So I, I think it should help Beef and it's good to see Beef uh, uh, coming back soon uh, to playing some good golf. <laughs> All right. Uh, my weird this week is the weather at uh, the old course in St. Andrews. I'm not sure if you guys saw this. It was all over the Internet, so I'm sure most of you couldn't have missed it. But you know it gets cold at St. Andrews. We've, it gets cold in July there. I've, done, I've reported on the British Open they're wearing a toque in certain cases and, and you know heavy-duty rain gear and sweaters. But it very rarely snows and stays. But the, this last week they did. They got a snowfall. It stayed. And they actually made a uh, snowman on the first tee. He was the only player apparently allowed on the course that day. And I just thought to myself, because they keep this place open all the time, imagine if you had booked your tee time three or four years ago and showed up on that day, and all of a sudden there's this blizzard out across the old course. Mark, how would you ever manage to get over missing a tee time like that because of the snow? Bob, I'm playing I'm going regardless. I don't care. <laughs> you ain't stopping me. I went all the way over here for this, probably waited a couple of years for it. I mean, uh, I'm playing through anything at that point. Well, hopefully it doesn't last too long over uh, over there. This world is a changing weather-wise, though. We can see that every day, it seems like. Uh, my what this week is a uh, what a uh, what a greeting from the fans for Harry Higgs. We know we saw Harry Higgs at the WM a few weeks ago in Phoenix. Uh, excite the fans by lifting up his shirt and showing his chest. And of course, mm -hmm. Joel Damon was with him, took his shirt right off, and was winging it around. There's some rumors back and forth as to whether or not they actually got fined for uh, doing that for, from the PGA Tour, who put it out on the uh, on their social media. However, there was a great clip of him of Harry walking from one green to another tee, uh, passing a fan, and a fan looked at him and said, Hey, Harry, and he pulled up his shirt. And then you can hear Higgs say, See, this is why I didn't want to do it, because this is what's going to happen. Everyone is going to be flashing me forever. And so <laughs> it's probably true, but uh, poor old Harry, he's... Uh, He's uh, in for seeing a lot of bare chests for the rest of his career. <laughs> All right, Adam, the tea is now yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. All right, guys, my winner this week is Miguel Angel Jimenez, the most interesting man in golf. And this week, he did something very rare. Two aces in one tournament. That's an unbelievable feat. Friday's opening round of the Color Guard Classic. It's par three, seventh hole. Sunday's final round on the 14th hole. Plus, he won the Color Guard Classic, his second win in three starts this season. Quite a run so far for Miguel Angel Jimenez. Okay, my weird. Brian Stewart. Talk about pace of play. We always, on this show, we, we, we talk a lot about how you know, the game's got, maybe got to get a little faster for the growth of the game. Brian Stewart, ninth hole, Honda Classic, third round. He stood over the ball, waggling and twitching for a full 26 seconds. 26 seconds over the ball before actually hitting it. Of course, to make matters worse, he was playing with Brooks Kepka, who has been one of the more uh, outwardly guys in terms of talking about pace of play. Mark, did you happen to see this video of Brian Stewart, and, and what were your thoughts? It's funny because um, when we do our rotational shift in, uh, on the main studio, uh, Ryan Burr and Christina Kim, and then Dennis Paulson and I kind of go in and we do a flip. 
when we went in there, they do the switch and break. And it was, I mean, that's, the, that's I'm like, so guys, what did we miss? What do we need to know? And they basically said, you, you can't, like, I'm surprised that, that, that he's not on the clock. That they haven't, you know, it was unbelievable. It was so outrageously slow that everybody on the broadcast team, everyone in that building was shocked at it. I didn't actually see it because I was in transition from one channel to the next. So I want to see it with my own eyes. Uh, but I mean, when it's that bad and that's obvious, I guess, guys, listen, you know, until we start handing out penalties, is anything ever going to change? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And and just a little teaser, uh, that'll be one of my winners we were in what this week on Golf Talk Canada Television. So you'll have a chance nice. to see it then, uh, Mark, that's for sure. Okay, my what this week before we go to break. How about the Seminole Pro member going on as we speak? What a field they have there. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau was in the field. And of course, we got the news about 15 minutes ago that he's not playing this week at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Bob, this is this is one of the great weeks in the world of golf. Mark, we have something to say? Oh, hold on, hold on. I have a question before Bob, because I know Bob's very familiar with this event. But before, uh, are you replacing Bryson in, in this event? Because you're the only <laughs> other person I know that can do what he does. Adam. There'll be some speed training <laughs> for sure, yes. <laughs> Uh, this is this has a better strength of field than the Honda Classic did. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> crazy, crazy stuff. So weird. Uh, yep. All right, boys. Wild. That is uh, that does that. Okay, so I'm looking forward to Wednesday because it's our first. Uh, we got great feedback from our TaylorMade product uh, special last week, but uh, good to be back uh, in the lane. Full throttle for Golf Talk Canada. So we're back for a regular TV show coming this week. On the other side, we'll get you caught up to date on a few leaderboards from around the world of golf, as well as uh, just our schedule for GTC. Find out what Bob and Adam are up to this week. We'll do it next. We'll put a bow on this week's GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience the iconic Cadillac sedans and SUVs in a personalized live video tour with all your questions answered in real time. Book your tour at Cadillac.live. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by... Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. As we wrap up today's show, let's take a look at some leaderboards from the world of golf. Leaderboards brought to you by Bushnell, the number one range finder in all of golf. Visit bushnell.com for all your range finder needs. Only a couple events to note. Uh, LPGA is kicking off back this week, so we'll have LPGA leaderboards back in play. Two PGA Tour leaderboards in play this week. But for the past week... It's uh, only two events, the Kolegard Classic on the Champions Tour. You heard uh, Adam mention Miguel and Al Jimenez, the most interesting man in the world, gets it done, a four-shot win over Austin and Longer. Again, Bernard Longer, only two wins off 
Hale Irwin's all-time record. Be curious to follow that story this year on the Champions Tour. The Honda Classic, Sepp Straka, is a winner. Daniel Berger loses a five-shot lead on Sunday. Straka with his first ever win on the PGA Tour as the tour heads down the road into Orlando for the Arnold Palmer Invitational. It's going to be hot in Orlando. The weather looks good, but maybe some rain uh, later in the week. Uh, looking pretty good, though, most of the week, so I think we're in for another uh, good week in Florida. And then, of course, off to the Players' Championship, golf's greatest field, golf's greatest stadium, and Bob and I will be on location for that. Golf Talk Canada coming to you from the grounds of the Players' Championship. Golf Talk Canada television coming this Wednesday. Bob, Adam, and myself. Uh, back uh, at it in our usual uh, TV format this week on TSN TV, uh, Wednesday, 1 o'clock, the first airing. But check your uh, local guide uh, as the, they repeat the show several times throughout the week as our Golf Talk Canada TV season is kicked off. And 20 weeks of TaylorMade back for another year. We'll have some announcements on that. Uh, Going to launch that Masters week. Around the Masters will be week one. 20 weeks tailor-made and uh, details coming out in the next few weeks. Adam, what's up for you this week other than GTC? Uh, we're back in, in full throttle this week uh, with Golf Talk Canada. Like you mentioned, yeah, TSN 4 and 5 at 1 p.m. Other than that, just uh, back to regularly scheduled uh, work for me. And, and uh, you need to recuperate from your big birthday weekend. Maybe uh, maybe some vocal cord resting over the next uh, 12 hours or 24 hours or so. But other than that, it's good to be back and good to feel to, good to be 30. I appreciate all of the, the well wishes and birthday wishes so far today. Bob, I know you mentioned something about an interview and time zone changes. Are you working on a piece that you can give us a, a tease or a heads up on that we should know about for .ca? Uh, it's a little bit. It's a little bit of Briar uh, work because the uh, the Tim Hortons oh. Briar gets underway in a couple of weeks here as well. So I was uh, actually supposed to be on the line with bronze medal winning Skip Brad Gushu, who is in Newfoundland, and I always forget that Newfoundland is like an hour and a half. You know, not an hour, and so anyway, I got my time. So it's okay because he did it once to me, so we're even now, and we rescheduled. So I've got a little bit of little bit of curling work left to do here, and then uh, and then head down to to, to Florida to, to see you, reunite with you, Mark. Now, I'm looking you. forward to it, Bob. I am looking forward to it. I haven't seen you guys in person in since December, which is just too too long. Uh, I'll see you this Wednesday for TV, guys. A pleasure as always. Bob, I'll see you uh, as well next week in person. Looking forward to that at the players. Uh, I'm going to close the door on my PGA Tour live duties for a few weeks. Switch gear to radio. Uh, looking forward to the Arnold Palmer. So lots to go. We are in full swing. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the all-new Tour 360 fit, while the new direct-injected Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.